Hi, and welcome to The Badass Moms, where we moms learn to achieve fitness and health goals despite being sleep deprived and overworked. Here's your host, Nicole, the super busy mommy coach. Hello, and welcome to Badass Moms, brought to you by the Holistic Therapies Directory. I'm Nicole Cruz, super busy mommy coach. I am so excited to have with me today, Danielle Berger. Danielle is deeply fascinated by the human body and its amazing capacities to adapt, heal, and evolve. She holds a comprehensive Pilates teacher certificate, a diploma of clinical Pilates, and bachelor of mechanical engineering degree. She has special interests in respiratory, biomechanical, and neurological patterns of behavior. Her further studies in these areas allow her to apply an integrated approach to optimal movement strategies that respect the body as a whole. After all, breathing well means moving and feeling well. And what particularly interests me about Danielle is that she focuses on working with mompreneurs and career women, which I think is a very interesting niche for a Pilates instructor. So Danielle, welcome to Badass Moms. Thank you so much, Nicole. It's my pleasure to join this conversation with you. Oh, I'm so glad to have you here. Um, so let's get into a little bit about you. Tell us your story. I mean, you started off as an engineer, and now you're a Pilates instructor. Walk us through that journey. Sure, of course. So um, in the days before I had a family, I was building my career and working as a mechanical engineer. And uh, I made that choice uh, when I'd found out that I was going to have my first child, that then I would stop working uh, for a while to focus on the family um, as the next immediate chapter of, of our lives. And in that process of making the transition from a, a traditional career, um, or it could be non-traditional if you consider being a female in the engineering field non-traditional. But um, in making that transi- transition, nevertheless, to being uh, initially a stay-at-home mum, uh, I experienced uh, that life-changing stage uh, as, as an overwhelming stage of life. And um, it wasn't soon after that I began to emerge back into the working force. However, it was not engineering per se, it was the health and fitness industry. And the thing that drew me to the health and fitness industry as as a young mum was primarily the uh, need to, to want to do something for myself because it was exhausting uh, attending to a small child, to, to a baby, uh, being on call 24-7. It was, it was just as much as I had read and prepared myself and felt like I was well-equipped to become a mum and transition into motherhood, it was just totally overwhelming. And I found that even though I was depleted, sleep-deprived, exhausted, attending to to my child 24-7, the thing that helped me most was moving my body. And that's what first opened up my eyes to this whole new field of health and fitness. And I was so inspired by some of the instructors I came across that I, it wasn't soon after that I began to uh, train and qualify myself. And amongst various disciplines and modalities, it was Pilates that I found was the thing that my heart 
uh, got most excited uh, or be beaded more vigorously for. Uh, and so I focused on Pilates and uh, several years later and another child later, I then opened my own Pilates studio, boutique Pilates practice and started serving primarily women, mums, mompreneurs and ambitious career women. Wow. So what specifically about Pilates drew you in? I was fascinated about Pilates because it focused on alignment of the body, not just the way lines, forms, shapes take their space, but the way the mind aligns with the body or vice versa. And it was, if you wanted to, you could look at it through technical lens, which was, I guess, uh, one of my skill sets from earlier days. I, I loved breaking down the exercises and breaking down uh, the exercise flows and why does this exercise follow this exercise. There was, there was a lot of uh, uh, material there for me to analyse and get kind of deep and dirty with and, and use my analytical biomechanical skills to that regard. So that part I found fascinating in the sense that I could also then, if I wanted to, um, go to the point that I would prescribe or design a program for a client because they had a specific need. So if, if someone, uh, I mean, I could give you an example, but if someone, um, let's say, had had, had issues to, to, to lengthen ax axially their spine in space, this is not specific to a mompreneur, but if, if, if you have an issue that you need to elongate yourself, um, I would be able to know what exercise then to, to apply or to prescribe. And, and that, was, that was fascinating. It was like being an, like a problem solver or um, just bringing the solution to hand, troubleshooting on the spot. And, and that's something that really fascinated me in the earlier days. Well, it still does fascinate me today, <laughs> but it was, uh, it was still quite technical in that sense. Um, even though Pilates is not just technical work, it is not just movement, my experience with Pilates today is that it goes several levels deeper than just being a movement practice. It's, it's not just an exercise. It's not just a series of exercises together to create a flow. It's about literally giving you an access point to yourself, uh, a way of connecting with yourself and uh, touching base with with. with where you are and and who you are i mean that sounds so deep and for um i mean one of the things i find fascinating is how you took like your your brain that had been trained in engineering and applied it to pilates you know the way you see the human body and the way you analyze it i think it gives you a very unique lens through which to practice um, but then also that that deeper part of it can you explain that more to the person who's like uh I do some crunches and leg lifts, but I'm not seeing it. You know what I mean? Like, all right, so my, my abs are sore, but I don't get where you're coming from. Uh, I hear you, Nicole, and it's very important that I do go those levels deeper so I can try and make it clearer what exactly I'm, I'm referring to. So uh, let, let's take this um, at, in its very basic sense um, why a client would even show up in the first place to do some work with me. And it is, it, it's quite common that when someone comes and walks through my door, uh, they have some idea, well, or aspiration or goal in mind, 
what it is they're hoping to achieve with their Pilates practice. And at the end of the day, it can be summarized under the chapter of transformation. They have some goal that means they want to change in some capacity or form, basically transform themselves. Many people could come through that door thinking, yeah, I want to get defined abdominals. I want to get a stronger core. I want to get um, lean, long, long legs. And they then begin their journey of movement. And I realized it didn't take long before after training for lean, long legs or deeper abdominals or stronger core, it wasn't really quite enough. I mean, it wasn't really quite the complete goal that someone has been looking for. What I mean by that is transformation in many forms can be the one thing, but it's never really just about the goal. I felt that what people were really looking for was a way to, to feel themselves differently. Uh, at the outset, yes, the goal of defined abdominals or stronger toned legs, yes, that is the goal. But there was something else there in that equation that people didn't know or my clients didn't know how to articulate, but what I would otherwise describe as the journey towards self-love. Now, that might, again, throw some people off. Well, what, the, what are you talking about, Danielle? Self-love is simply just a state of being that you are able to accept who you are, and show yourself unconditional kindness, not just, I guess, to yourself, to yourself for and foremost, but also to the world around you. And I say self-love because as clients have come and they've trained with me, they've, they've gotten frustrated or they've, they've gotten upset or even at times demotivated because they're not getting the abdominals they came in for or they're not getting the stronger legs they came for. Um, but deep down it was something even more um, that they were searching for that they weren't yet able to articulate. And when I questioned that, well, you're on this journey, you're on this path, um, maybe it's something that hasn't yet been thought about or hasn't yet been accessed inside you. And uh, people realise that the way they talk to themselves or the expectations they demand of themselves are not really in true alignment with what it is they're looking for. Yeah, so can you give an example of what you mean by that? Yes, I can. I have, well, I had and still do have a client who wanted to start Pilates because she found the combination of um, deep breathing with deep abdominal activation for strength and uh, improved dynamic posture, fascinating. So just the concept of that she found fascinating. And on the other end, she wanted to basically feel more energized and invigorated in her life. And we started our journey together and I'd written uh, some training programs for her because this was actually an online client of mine. And I'd provided her with the materials for her uh, her programs, the, the exercises and types of sequences she would have to do. And in going through this process, she actually wasn't able to follow through with the training. Mm. Uh, even though she was totally fascinated with Pilates movement and she was absolutely keen to start and kick off, she couldn't actually bring herself to 
come to the mat and train those exercises that we had agreed we would do. And so this was this deserved uh, a deeper analysis, um, well, analysis or um, conversation. Um, what, what's holding you back or how are you feeling when you know you're setting out to you this afternoon you're going to train but then but then you don't train what uh what what is what is happening and going on at that moment and she said i i, I just don't know i just i i can't i can't do it I, I i so desperately want to change but i i i can't and then i asked her well 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 why can't you and she said well i I just, I feel so alone. And then I asked her to elaborate on that. And she said, I, I don't feel that I'm capable of following through without somebody's guidance. And I, I said, okay. I mean, this was obviously a time in Corona, <laughs> not obviously, but it was a time, it was online coaching. So we didn't have the live face-to-face -face scenario, but we had the connection through technology. But she felt basically alone, uh, too alone, to be able to um, basically set up her, her mat and do those exercises. And then when I said to her, well, what exactly is going, what's going through your mind when you know it's time to train, but you just can't bring yourself to do it? She said, look, Danielle, it's just, it's, it's like, I don't want to do anything good for myself. Mm -hmm. And that's what became a, a huge eye-opener for me. What is the conversation or what is the dialogue in someone's head Mm -hmm. or mind that you don't desire to do anything good for yourself even though you know you want to create change you want to sustain that change but you cannot bring yourself to do it you almost don't believe you're deserving of better or of any kind of happiness I mean that's I'm trying to illustrate that it can really go down a different path but it actually does touch very heavily on the mindset or you could say even mental health in this category, the conversation, the dialogue, the relationship you lead with yourself. Are you in touch with yourself? Um, do you reflect and uh, accept yourself, forgive yourself even for your shortcomings and take them with grace? Or do you just continue believing you are not worthy and not deserving of a better life or, or, or a better lifestyle or a better way of feeling in your body? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, I mean, I feel like you hit the nail on the head because with so many, I mean, whether you're talking about, you know, fitness or new, you know, nutrition changes or lifestyle changes, so many times that is like what's on the surface. And then in order to fix that thing on the surface, you, you have to attack every other part of someone's life. You know, it's, I mean, most people listening to this who maybe want to um, you know, get stronger or leaner, um, can probably name one or two things they could do differently in order to do that. You know, like, yes, they're not a Pilates instructor, but I'm sure most people would say, well, I could do crunches. Okay, that's a start. So, so why aren't you already doing crunches? And, you know, I feel like what you said is exactly it. Well, because of this, because of that, because of that, because of things in my mind, because of things in my life, because I don't know how to arrange it because my energy levels are low because I'm burnt out to the point that I don't even care in the moment. And all of that comes out. And as a Pilates instructor or a practitioner in any of those other areas, it's like you have to solve 
a person's entire life internally and externally in order to get to the point where they can do the protocols to in fitness or nutrition or whatever to get the results that they want. Uh, and so, I mean, that resonates so much with me. And I think you're so good at accessing those deeper levels and asking the right questions. And it's very impressive. Yeah, I mean, I it, it was definitely something I couldn't do in my early, like, I couldn't or I didn't do it in my earlier days of teaching. I've been teaching Pilates for, um, uh, for going on 14 years now. And uh, in the beginning, it was, again, what I hopefully tried to illustrate before, it was a lot more technically driven. And uh, I, I was going for further education because I wasn't entirely, I wasn't satisfied with all the answers I was given at the time. So I went further and further, but that was very technically driven as well. Um, and now at this stage of my own evolution in my teaching career or in, in my coaching life, in my coaching style, uh, I do um, go a lot deeper into um, the mindset and psychology behind people's choices and and even the the um, the decisions that they consciously or even unconsciously make. Um, I find it fascinating because it it, it drives people's behavior and uh, it also in part breaks my heart to hear uh, in in particular with 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 working mums and 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 career mums. Who are doing tremendous work um, contributing to the economy and also raising the next generations, it breaks my heart to hear how, how critical and how hard they are on themselves when they are just doing a phenomenal job. And that's why I'm out on my mission to, um, uh, I don't know what the word is, it's empowering, yes, but to, to, uh, to uh, give those uh, working mums um, Give them a hug. Give them, uh, give them praise. Give them acknowledgement. Let them know they're being seen because I see the work they do. And it's if it's anything I can do for them, it is to help them to remember themselves in all the things that they're achieving and doing to raise families and uh, manage their own careers. That in amongst all of those things, they do find space, time, a window of time to just reflect on their own needs and give themselves a piece of that love that they, that they so desperately need. Yeah, I, that makes complete sense. Um, and you just answered the question I was going to ask about what, why working moms and mompreneurs, um, but could you dig a little deeper into what are some of the common um, you know, themes and issues. You mentioned the self-love part and being hard on yourself. Mm -hmm. What else do they have in common that you sometimes have to bust through in order to be able to address the Pilates? Sure, sure. And and, and that's actually a tough one because even I don't want to come across as, uh, absolutely do not want to come across as being judgmental or pretending that as if I understand someone or if I know what's going on with their lives because I totally, totally respect that you never really know what's going on in someone's life and you never know what personal struggles somebody's dealing with. They may, you may be privy to that in time where if they open up appropriately and, and share um, those deeper stories or those, those deeper experiences, but uh, I, I'm totally conscious that everyone has their own individual makeup and, and there's and there's so much of that, that that you just don't know. So 
um, it, it, it's uh, I have to tread delicately, and I do, um, but I do that by being non-judgmental and just showing uh, curiosity, I guess, and just asking questions that are not a yes and a no type question. So a question where they can actually elaborate on. Um, the types of uh, mums that I'm dealing with are usually mums that are um, very driven. They're um, striving for perfectionism. Um, they are high achievers. So they're used to achieving things in several dimensions of their lives simultaneously. They're excellent at functioning. They, they can hold it all together, but it's at an enormous cost to their health. Mm -hmm. That's where I come in. But, um, yeah, they, they, um, they push and they keep pushing and they rush and they deliver and they just function and uh, almost to the point where, they, where they, uh, a type of a disconnect happens or they realise or they wake up one day that there's just emptiness or there's just... Sorry? That zombie feeling, like the you're a robot feeling. going through life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, and and it's just like on and go, 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 and mm -hmm. uh, shift, turn, continue, change. But it's just uh, an, an an endless, endless churn, and uh, and that's exhausting. It's chronic fatigue. It's uh, restless nights. It's lack of recovery. It's irritability. It's um, being snappy at your kids mm -hmm. <laughs> and then feeling guilty for it. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and, and in all those traits that come out just because we're human, we don't realise that we're actually attending to everyone else except ourselves or only partly to ourselves, in any case insufficiently towards ourselves. And usually it happens at a point when you're really down low You've really hit a hit a roadblock. You, you wake up that one morning ready to go into that zombie mode, deliver, function, push, shove, rush, and you realize you can't. You can't. You you cannot even get out of bed, maybe, or you just you you cannot. You just the thought of going to work, you can't. And and yeah, unfortunately, it takes really sometimes um, a, a mini catastrophe to to shake the whole system to say, okay, something really has to change mm -hmm. and for the better. Mm -hmm. Sometimes what I mean is that uh, it, sometimes things have to get worse before they can get better, even though that's a very neuralistic sense. Most of the times you, you, you experience, a, a, I don't know, some type of a, a discomfort or, 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 a, or a trauma or a mini catastrophe, and then it's, it's that wake-up call that really, okay, I've got to stop mm -hmm. and I've got to look and I've got to, listen and I've got to make some decisions and none of that is easy and I'm, by any means I'm not trying to illustrate that as an easy process because it means that you need help mm -hmm. and maybe that wake-up call spurs you to look for that help and it, that help could be therapeutic that help could be just hooking up with a girlfriend and and just having a chat just having a chat because a lot of the mompreneurs or working women I know despite being busy and having it all happen they're also uh, lonely, lonely because, I mean, I don't want to generalise, but in my experience, many are because they, they don't quite have that uh, connectedness or community that they did before they had families, before um, they were managing careers and raising little ones. Um, 
they maybe did for a while and then things change and then it, it takes time and effort to to maintain uh, and nurture meaningful relationships and and some of that that's usually one of the things that just that just falls by the wayside because it's there's just really no time for that and um, that's what I mean by loneliness and hooking up with a girlfriend just for a for a no strings attached talk or just spilling your heart um not expecting a solution just being able to spill your heart can be sometimes very helpful mm -hmm. yeah absolutely um i mean you just hit so many important points over there it's and i think you know so many people listening to this will be able to relate um which then gets me to you are a mompreneur and so these lessons are not necessarily only for your clients, I imagine that you've had to go through some sort of journey as well as you, you know, became a mother and, you know, then an entrepreneur and you were a very, you know, ambitious career woman before that. So could you talk about how some of this has affected you and whether you noticed it in your clients and then reflected on your own life or if it was the other way around, you noticed it in your own life and then applied it to your practice? Yes, it was um, the latter of what, of your um, proposed scenarios. It was um, in part to begin with my own personal struggle of, um, of making the transition from being uh, just, just a career woman to um, uh, at first a stay-at-home mom, then a working mom, and then uh, a working mom who transitioned into uh, being self-employed and establishing and running my own business. So I went through various life stages there, um, all the while um, doing all of that in a foreign country as well. So there's a lot of significant life stages, life stages in all of that. And um, I think for some years, probably it, um, I don't know how many years, but a good handful of years, maybe six, seven, eight years. Um, I believe that I, I probably was in part, I had, I can say this today because I've done the reflection work. What I mean to say is I think in the early days of being a mom, um, and again, maybe at least up until my first child's eighth birthday, I really do believe, oh, I thought, I believe back then that you could have it all. What I mean by having it all is like, yes, you can have your career. Yes, you can have your kids. Yes, you can have your husband and house and dog. And yes, you can have your, um, even your own business if you want. And I really thought you could have it all. And I did get it all. But it wasn't without, how can I say, it wasn't without hurt and it wasn't without pain because I couldn't sustain having it all. There was, it was just, what I'm about to say is it, it's going to be sound totally ridiculous, but there was a period of my life when my whole day was broken down into, my, my day was scheduled literally of 15 minute intervals. I knew exactly what was happening every 15 minutes. And I look back and, I, and I, I shake my head and I think, oh, my God. And, and that was just, that, that's ridiculous in hindsight. And I was, um, um, I believed I was the queen of multitasking. 
And today I will tell you multitasking doesn't exist. It's not even something I want to strive for because it will just drive me into further insanity. But um, just coming back to the central point, um, I think I had an illusion that um, you can have it all and it looks like this and everybody's happy. And when I realised I was hurting, um, I didn't feel entirely fulfilled. I, there were periods of time when I didn't feel entirely happy. There were times when I, I was depressed and for longer periods of time. Um, and that's when I sought therapy as well. Um, I, I realised I needed to start questioning my own narrative. What does it mean having it all? Where does that come from? Is that even applicable to me? Do I have to be a career woman and raise a family and have a happy face? Uh, what does it mean to even be successful? What does that success look like? So when I started asking these questions, that's when I realised I had work to do and I needed to find my my, my own story of of and, and write my own script of journey to happiness, if you will, by living a life that felt aligned with the true Danielle, with, with what I was really striving for, what's really important and how does that look to me and whether that aligns with the billboard down the road of a happy family with parents who, who are highly successful, it didn't matter. But there was a good period of time in my early years of mothering that I was very, very uh, influenced by, by what motherhood should look like and, and, and working moms and mompreneurs, what that should all look like. And I believe that wasn't entirely positive for me. In fact, it, it led me to keep pushing, to keep driving those 15-minute intervals, knowing what was coming every next 15 minutes. And, and, and that was just not a way to live. That's not a lifestyle I, I, I would strive for anymore. That's, that's just not even being anywhere near the present moment and just missing so much of real life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't think that's ridiculous at all, by the way. There are definitely, I can, I, it, it is torture to live that way. Um, but I can definitely say I've done it out of necessity to get out of tough situations where it was like, I need to accomplish this, this, and this, or there's going to be disaster. And this is the only way to do it. Yep. <laughs> so I, I, can, I can relate to the pressure on you. And it's, it's really not living, you know? And I can relate to what you said about you can have it all in a sense, but in another sense, you can't have it all. You know, you can't expect motherhood to be like a stay-at-home mom if you're going to have, if you're not going to be a stay-at-home mom. And I feel like that's a, a lot of a conflict that I see in myself and in the clients I work with. It's like, well, you'll you'll have your career and then feel guilty that you aren't giving your kids the same things you would be if you were a stay-at-home mom. And, or it could be the opposite. You'd be a stay-at-home mom and then you feel inadequate because you don't have a career. And it's like, there, you, you, like you said, you can't, you, you can't have it all. You can have bits and pieces of these elements. You can mix them together in various ways, but you can't expect it to, you can't expect to fully embody two, three, or four different roles at the same time. Um, and in a way, I think this, came almost came to a head with the pandemic as so many parents were trying to work full time while you know and, and it, this is mainly the ones who transitioned to working at home um 
were, you know, even though essential workers still had the homeschooling side of things. So I guess it manifested in different ways. But, um, you know, some people were trying to be a full time worker and a full time caregiver. Right. Because in school, like the teachers don't cook the meals, clean the dishes you know, all of that stuff, you know, get the kids dressed, right? That's, they, they, they educate. So you're trying to be the caregiver and the teacher. Yep. <laughs> and the amount of feelings of guilt and inadequacy that I saw in moms and at times experienced myself, it, it almost was an extreme manifestation of what I think you're referring to. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I, I absolutely do not. Uh, it's. I don't want to condone anyone who's doing multitasking and who is wearing several hats at once with with being caregivers and homeschoolers and um, cook, uh, cook, clean, um, cleaning and cookers and what have you, uh, because they are all uh, absolutely necessary uh, functions and tasks of life and. Um, I think it's also okay if it's like that for a period of time. I think what I what I really would like to distinguish between is uh, knowing that there is a there there will be there is a time for this and and it will come to an end, uh, and living like that just because that is the chosen way of living, um, just because you feel like you have to or you're forced to or you're pressured to. Um, I think I know that's it's uh, really maybe I've got to be careful the way I say it, but. Um, we, we, we have choices. Mm -hmm. We have choices. And I know that we feel certain things are not possible at times and certain things um, are not uh, available to us. But at the end of the day, I do feel that we can exercise. Uh, a um, yeah, how can I say it now? <laughs> With everything going on in the world, I'm really conscious of not making any generalizations. But um for example, I will use myself as an example, and that's that's the safest thing. Um, <laughs> it it was okay pushing that hard as I did, probably for as long as I did, but but it it, it was not sustainable because um, it it was costing me my health, and uh, I'm thankful that I that I had that wake up call and that I then um, was able to make the choice to do differently, even if it began initially with small tweaks. To my lifestyle because one thing that I know and that I'm always reminding my clients on is that change takes time and it usually takes a lot longer than you ever anticipate it taking. Mm -hmm. Things need time to to manifest. Things need time to to, to be realized. Things need time to be digested. The body needs time to adapt. It is absolutely adaptable, and thank goodness for that, but uh, things, things do ultimately take time. And um, I think if any transformation is going to take place, it can only come from an active and conscious choice that, that you want it and that you have clarity around why you want that. Um, but, yes, a period of time of pushing and 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 and. and Scheduling back to back, that can be, and that's all good and fine because moms are great at that. <laughs> but it, it, it's just not a sustainable lifestyle. And I think many, many working moms will attest to that. Um, yeah, it's, it, yeah. 
Yeah, we do what we do to, to get through the tough patches, but um, there should also be relief and there absolutely has to be some recovery. Down the- Hi, Super Busy Mommies. Nicole Cruz here, Super Busy Mommy Coach. If you're a single mom or a mom facing hardship, it can be impossible to find uninterrupted time for a workout, let alone to prepare healthy meals, meditate, and get quality sleep. And all the motivational memes in the world telling you to push harder and make time won't change that fact. And that's where I come in. How do you reach high levels of fitness when you don't have any uninterrupted time for workouts? How do you prepare healthy meals when you're more likely to end up wearing food by the end of the day than actually eating it? And how do you practice mindfulness when you get climbed on every time you try to sit still? These are some of the questions I answer for the absolutely badass moms I work with who are stopped by nothing. Pick my brain and find out more at superbusymommycoach.com. I agree completely. Um, And I think, you know, when you're going through tough patches, um, knowing that when you're doing multiple things at once, you're probably not going to be a superstar at any one of them. (laughs) You know, and I think that's the, you know, when I was thinking about the, the example of the people who are, you know, going through the pandemic as caregivers and workers and homeschoolers, that was it. It was like, you know, the expectation that so many of us placed on ourselves was I'm going to be like the best teacher and I'm going to perfectly care for my kids. Like I'm a stay at home mom and still have to maintain the same rigor in the office working from home. And I think the reality that hit, um, you know, for so many people I spoke to was just like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, it's like, you're, you're probably going to be <laughs> like in some ways, like taking it down, like doing all three of those things down a few notches from the way you would have done them separately. Um, and yeah, you know, I, like you said that the recovery needs to happen. That's so important because when you wear on yourself like that, it's going to come back to you in some way or another, and you won't always see it right away, but it'll, it'll catch up with you. And oh, it, yes. yeah, and it could manifest physically. Um, it could be a mental health thing. Um, but it's, I think in some ways in, you know, modern society as a whole, we almost have, um, our expectations of what life should be aren't in line with nature and reality. And then when people can't live up to these expectations that we've created for what a human being should be, we label it often as a disorder and medicate for it instead of recognizing that we're actually living outside of the bounds of nature and those are the consequences. Yes. um, Yes, I see that too. And um, I do believe that a lot of that is, is related to expectations on, on how we uh, attend to problems uh, in society and, 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 and problems with, with, well, people problems at that. I think uh, sometimes we want to go for 
maybe not necessarily the quick fix, quick fix, but an easier fix. And um, going for the medication, um, I think in, at one, there possibly should be more time for education that to medicate or to not medicate. Um, yes, medication is one way, um, but it may just be treating the symptoms. And there could be obviously a root cause that may just get lost in the whole in the whole scheme of things if it's not been given um, the attention it deserves, or or if or if if, if you don't take the time uh, to dissect someone's someone's lifestyle and, and, and how they're leading their lives as as opposed to just uh, treating the most um, urgent issues that surface. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so going back to, you know, Pilates and how this all connects, I know a a big part of Pilates in general, but also a big part of your practice in particular, and, you know, in the way you relate Pilates to life has to do with the breath. Could you explain the importance of the breath and how it connects to both Pilates and the deeper life work that you do? Uh, Absolutely. Um, Breathing is one of the fundamentals of the Pilates methodology, which is, I guess, I should have said it earlier on, is one of the other reasons I'm so devoted and so fascinated by the Pilates modality. Um, Yes, breathing is a very central component because it literally supports every move you make. And breathing is uh, the origin of all movement. And that's a very powerful thing. Um, when can you, you practice into that more, can you explain that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. About uh, breathing the, being the origin of all movement for people um, who don't see that intuitively? Yes. It's like if you could just imagine yourself just as you are, Nicole, right now, or myself here having this conversation. We're just sitting here. Ask yourself one question. This single question, what what makes me alive right now? What 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 keeps me here and sustains my life? Mm-hmm. How do I know I'm I'm living this moment? How do I know I'm here right now? So everyone who's listening right now can just take pause maybe and ask themselves, what is it in me? What is happening at this moment? that makes me know I'm alive. I don't know if everyone can answer that for themselves, but if I stop and pause and ask myself, how do I know I'm alive? I I feel the breath. Mm -hmm. And the breath is being drawn into the body via the lungs. Um, What's drawing the breath into the lungs? The diaphragm, your main breathing muscles. It contracts and it sucks in air into the body and fills up your lungs and your ribcage expands in all directions. You feel that deep breath inside you. You feel alive. And then when you let that air then expel again, your ribcage descends, your abdominal wall flattens, your chest lowers. And that just feels like life. It's a life. Uh, stream a life flow it's an energy it's it's 
it's energy. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but that's what I mean. Like that is like uh, it does. It begins with the diaphragm, and I know that's not very helpful for our listeners right now. <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. Was that a bit of a practical um, tactic for listeners to try? Did that? If I ask you, Nicole, how do you know you're alive in this very moment? What would you say to me? Yeah, breathing, being being consciousness is the first thing that comes to mind. I, I'm conscious. <laughs> um, conscious yeah. On a physical level, yes, the the breath, sensation in general, um, and you know, I think that is helpful. You know, see, like yes, the diaphragm moves in, and everything has to adapt to this air that has come into your body, which then affects the rest of your body and how it moves in a sense yeah well and even if i mean that example may have been a bit abstract even if we're sitting here and we think we're being more or less still there are things moving in our body and and that's and that's fine and then when we do move ourselves in a capacity where bigger things um uh, go on you know you, you you lift something up or you squat down to the ground um you know the breath is supporting all of that movement as well and i i love um the concentration and the focus on the breath because it it brings you um immediately into a state of calm if you're willing to devote your awareness uh, and your consciousness and just focus on the breath flowing in and out of your body it literally calms your system because you shift from um, sympathetic uh, nervous system into the parasympathetic and 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 that is what some people call mindfulness it's also a practice that's used in other modalities and and in yoga and and in martial arts and 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 uh, also other practices from 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 the eastern parts of the world um, and 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 many cultures have tapped into this unique way to to listen to that to that to that deep and inner power in in all of us and and breathing is it's it's something that we can choose to um, have an influence on if 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 we so desire to mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um i mean that was probably the most beautiful explanation of the breath I've ever heard. Um, you're so deep. I love it. Uh, it's, it's wonderful. It's beautiful. And the way you see the world and humans is just amazing. Um, and yes, so we can consciously control our breath and it's, it's the one thing that it's the one subconscious, uh, you know, automatic function of the body that, like everyone can easily control consciously as well. Like, yes, we can train to control other functions of the body, but we're pretty much born knowing how to control our breath, uh, which, you know, I've heard it described as the gateway between the conscious and the subconscious. Um, and yeah, I, th- I think that's, I think that's beautiful. Uh, you know, the, the technical side of it, the diaphragm and the muscles and the rib cage moving to the deeper side of how that connects with life. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. And uh, I um because because I'm also because I'm so onto the topic of breathing with my clients. I mean, even without them knowing it, I I, I talk to them in a in a as you do with clients. Um, 
they don't they don't know what I'm how can they know they're coming to me as a client they're coming to train but uh, my eyes are all on their rib cage and <laughs> Mm-hmm. And to see really how their body moves. And at the very start, you said you you love this term movement reveals. Mm-hmm. And it's very true that um, the way someone breathes, if they allow their rib cage, oh, you can't see, oh, losing my face here. Mm-hmm. Um, if your ribs move when you breathe, that is a good thing. We want rib mobility. We want to be able to expand create space let air into the body and then let the air then uh, be expelled from the body and i I see many people who when they breathe their ribs don't move Mm. and and this is um this is a big deal (laughs) um because they're holding on to something Mm-hmm. they're holding on they, they like almost can't let go they could be highly strung they could be nervous they could be stressed but by not being able to breathe out and let all the air uh exit the body they're not ever able to calm down and reach a state of rest that's why i say it's a big deal and i see many people that that don't have sufficient rib mobility and i see the way they're they're kind of st- these movement patterns and it's and it's in my sense almost debilitating the way i would describe it i mean for them they still manage to get through life but it's not unpainful um it has it has its cost so that i'll tell you one of the very first things people end up working on with me is a deeper breathing pattern Hmm. and one when they begin to access that deeper breathing pattern things unfold but yeah i said movement reveals do your ribs move? Do the move? Do the ribs reveal if you're breathing sufficiently? If you're breathing deeply enough, I will tell you because I'm. I can see it. I can see your ribs. <laughs> I can see what's going on here. I can see what's going on with your belly. But um, that's what makes it so fascinating. That the, the body, the body shows you. Just have to. You just have to know what to look for. I guess. Mm-hmm. You have to know how to read it, and you are definitely a master at reading it. <laughs> and I bet every single person listening to this podcast just felt their ribs, <laughs> which is awesome because if anyone's ribs didn't move, they're probably adjusting that right now. And just hearing you talk for a minute could change somebody's life right here. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, it could. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> And it sounds like an overstatement, but it's really not because of what you said. When you can take a deeper breath, I mean, I had an injury that prevented me from being able to calmly take a deep breath for years. And when I solved that, it was amazingly life-changing. And so, and and then now I just, um, you know, hurt myself again. It, it, It seems like I blew out a rib um, oh, that's what people are thinking. <laughs> I, I'll probably get some images done tomorrow or the next day. But just the fact that when I take a deep breath, I feel it. Is oh, gosh. A yeah. big difference in my daily life right now. And mm-hmm. I find myself subconsciously not taking those deep breaths or tightening up to try to uh, avoid or stabilize the part that tends to hurt when I move. And I have to consciously. Um, you know, it's not even like the pain's that bad, but our body subconsciously sort of tightens and adjusts to try to avoid pain, which then causes pain in other areas. And so I find myself having to consciously sit down 
and focus on relaxing all of those things, taking a deep breath and accepting the pain, which isn't that bad. I wouldn't consciously worry about the pain, but my body does. And it's just interesting how that change in being able to breathe can literally just trickle down to life. You know, like I find myself the past few days, I just haven't been able to have a focused meditation. And, oh, you know, what is meditation about? (laughs) You know, because I'm getting agitated by breathing. So, um, yeah, I mean, like it just what you said just totally hits home. (laughs) Yeah. And in that sense, I mean, it as irritating and as uncomfortable as it is in that moment of pain, pain in that context, if I allowed to say so, Nicole, is actually a good thing because it's the body's way of trying to protect itself or trying to give the signal, um, something's not okay here, Um, we need to protect something and, yeah, we're we're trying to give you that message. But, of course, it's uncomfortable, it's it's awkward, it's it's painful, but um, it's actually the body's natural response. to to give you that cue we need protection we need attention yeah absolutely and um you know a couple of fantastic practitioners and trainers that i was able to call on for advice about this and they helped me go through assessments at home and um i wish that one of them was close enough for me to actually see them because you know you go to a doctor i mean one of you know a doctor and one of the best practices i'm in new york city you know it's like you get your fancy doctors here and I'm fortunate enough to have insurance that they actually take. And so we go to the fancy doctor and they're like, Oh, here, take this for the pain. And I'm like, I'm not worried about the pain because, you know, I'm worried that my daily life, even though I've been babying this, you know, functions of daily life have been enough to keep making it worse. And I feel like I need more help than I'm able to give it on my own. I need, I need to figure out how to stop this. And Oh, let me give you this for the pain. And I was like, is that really the best idea? Because if leaning on my arms, which I do without thinking, like I sit on the couch, that's what I do. I sit on the couch and like I prop up my computer and I lean on one arm. And if doing that is enough to aggravate it, won't I just do that without thinking if I don't feel the pain, you know? Um, And that's what I found, you know, I, I definitely believe in, you know, trusting the people who have, you know, spent, you know, 10 years of their life to get trained for something more than I trust myself. And so I'm definitely going to, you know, I definitely went with the doctor's recommendation and I took the anti-inflammatory to try to clear that out. And I find myself, you know, instead of sleeping on my back, which was the least aggravating position, I'm waking up in all sorts of positions and aggravating it even more and leaning on one arm and it takes me five or 10 minutes to realize that I was doing it. (laughs) You know, um, I, I agree with you. It's, you know, pain is, it can be unpleasant, but it's, it's important. It's, um, sometimes it, I'd rather feel it than not feel it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, yeah, because it, it's admittedly a um, yeah the body's way of communicating with you that it uh, something something's going on and something has to be attended to and we've got to find a solution that's sustainable and not just um, transitory that something really does uh, get a deeper look at. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, okay, I definitely don't want to end this conversation without going a little bit more into mommy guilt. Like we've touched on it. But it's so prevalent, and I know that your work touches on it. So let's let's get into that. 
Sure. Um, yeah, that's that's a big topic, and it's a topic I think that that I think affects all mums to some degree. Um, again, maybe you're aware of it, maybe not. You may be feeling guilt and you're not aware of it. Um, I think what would be most helpful in terms of messaging or what gets discussed and what gets um, written about to work as a mum or to not work, to be a stay-at-home mum or to not be a stay-at-home mum, I think what would really help mums, what would have helped me, is more of a real and authentic dialogue about there being diversity in the types of roles that mums choose to execute, that it's a very individual choice, that families can exist in all types of uh, constellations, neither is right nor wrong, what is going to work for us as a family, what do we need as a family, does mum need to work, does mum not need to work, does dad need to work? <laughs> um, I think if there was a bit more um, real talk about the real dialogues that go on and not to expect that there is, a, the, there is only one way. Some mums work because they either maybe have to or maybe they enjoy it. And, and that's okay either which way and we shouldn't judge that. Some mums stay at home or they choose to stay at home because that's their choice and that's what they want. And I think whether you're a stay-at-home mum or a working mum, there is guilt in some form or fashion on either side. And coming back to that point, what I think would really help is to say a stay-at-home mum loves her kids dearly and a working mum loves her kids dearly. We all love our kids and we all do the best we can. And motherhood is not something we were just, okay, yeah, we were thrown into it, <laughs> um, even though it was our conscious choice to have a family, but it's it's not something we, yes, you can read books, you can, um, you can study up, you can inform yourself, you can educate yourself, but nothing beats the actual act of becoming a mum and realizing, wow, um, there's just so much more I haven't figured out yet and I'm going to figure it out. And if there was more talk around that, yes, um, you'll figure it out and, you know, there's no sort of exclusion on or inclusion on what makes a good working mum, what makes a bad working mum. It's just mums work because they either like to or they have to and they still love their kids. And stay-at-home mums stay at home who happen to love their kids and and that's just the way it goes. And neither nor love their kids more or less. It's, it's just a bit of a silly, silly way of looking at it, I think. Um, or the way people have are sometimes quick to judge either which way, which leads to mums at work questioning, oh, I really should be at home maybe with the kids and now I'm, I, I, don't, I, I missed their first step uh, standing up and taking their first uh, walking step or, or or you miss out on that game match at the weekend for whatever reason. Um, yeah, these things happen, but it doesn't mean you love your kids any less um, and, 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 and vice versa. Work uh, Stay-at-home mums aren't any less just because they don't work outside the, 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 the four walls of their house. They have their own values. They have their own system. They have their own model that's running. Um, yeah. 
difficult because um, yeah, maybe maybe you want to ask um, me to touch on something in, in in particular because I see that it, it, there's guilt either which way, and it's just have you is is a mum at that point where she's reflected what is really true and what is right for her, and does she feel um, that she is at ease with her own truth and with her own choices. And if you are, then it doesn't matter what the external world says to all of that. But that it, it's hard to get to that point because, you know, you just look around. It's media, social media. There, there There's messaging left, right and centre. You just open up a magazine and, and, and everywhere there's messaging left, right and centre. And um, until you go through that thought press process on your own you could you can be quite influenced and quite um illusioned or disillusioned mm -hmm. no absolutely i mean that that totally hits home for me um i was raised by a, a mostly stay-at-home mom when i was older and she did start working um it was in a school so that she would work you know the same hours that we were in school and then always be there and so that set me up for expectations of the type of mother I wanted to be, and I'm not that mother. Um, and in a way, I think it's better that I was forced not to be that mother because I don't know if that's where my strengths are. You know, I don't know if um, I, I am very nurturing, but I don't know if caregiving for young children, if I have that strength the way my mother did. Looking back on it, after becoming a mother, I realized that that's my mother's calling in life. She is wonderful with young children. She understands them on an intuitive level. And, um, and I learned from being forced not to, I couldn't be that mother out of necessity. I learned that I'm a breadwinner, you know, and I'm my son's, I am my son's breadwinner, you know, his main breadwinner, a lot of times his sole breadwinner. And I'm, it, it took a lot for me to come around to the realization that we all have different strengths as parents. And, you know, there are some who are that the caregivers or the fun parent or the one who sets a good example or whatever it is. And, you know, whatever your strengths are, it's instead of feeling guilty for what you're not doing, maximize whatever the situation is that you're in and use whatever your strengths are to be the best you can at that. And so my shift has been, like, do I still feel mommy guilt? Absolutely. Um, but I don't feed the mommy guilt, right? I acknowledge that it's there. It's a feeling. That's what I'm feeling. And then I, you know, shift my focus to things that I think are a better use of my mental energy. Um, and so I've realized that the role that I'm best at with my son is setting a good example and teaching him how to live responsibly, be productive. Like that's my strength. And if I had had the opportunity to be a stay-at-home mom, I wouldn't have been able to provide him with what my actual strength is. You know, I am a relentless provider. 
I've been in tough spots and I will do whatever it takes and I come through and I am crafty in the solutions I find and I am disciplined with finances and all of those things wouldn't have necessarily been things that he got to see and that I got to see in myself if there was a different situation. Um, and so that's my personal story, but in a wider sense, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to actually feel the difference, but you know, any situation you're in, there's an opportunity for you to maximize that situation for yourself and your kids. And if you're dwelling on what you can't do, you probably aren't putting the energy you could be into maximizing the opportunity you have, even if it's not the one you wanted. And on a personal level too, if you know, you're focusing on the mom that you can't be or the mom you aren't, you're probably not using that mental energy to maximize the mom you are and what you can offer your kids. Yes, beautifully said. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that's about also being being real and authentic with yourself to know um, where where your limitations are and um, saying that that's okay, but this is what I do have to offer and this is what I stand for and this is the the gift and 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 the role modeling and the the demonstrating that I want to give to my child because they're important values and and uh, important life skills. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway, I'm sure a lot of people after hearing you speak are going to want to know how they can work with you, how they can learn more from you. Um, so first, I realized we went this whole conversation without talking about where you're from and where you are now. <laughs> no problem. Uh, I, I'm probably best reached um, by my um, studio website. It's in one word, body props pilates. Dot ch. That is actually my in-person studio, uh, but that's my uh, main site for the time being. Uh, I'm in the process of developing educational products and group coaching programs for mompreneurs where we can work more at a, an in-depth level at working through uh, internal barriers and working to uh, explore the relationship with yourself and how that uh, pans out. Uh, to the relationships with your family that is in the making it's not just going to be about conversation the strong element of that will be movement um, and coaching uh, mindset and mindfulness but that is just another project that uh, is underway and uh, that will come probably sometime later this year but if you wish to reach me the best way is via my website because I'm here in Zurich in Switzerland um, <laughs> <laughs> it's probably no use to give any other uh, details at this point. Uh, I mean, no numbers or anything. Um, yeah. So f um, you mentioned that during the pandemic, you were training people online. Um, now that things are starting to open up, will you still be training people online? Can someone say from New York City, <laughs> go on your website and start training with you? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. The um, uh, probably just going via the website would be the best way to get into contact with me, uh, and then I can take the conversation with you from there, uh, lead you through a process where we can establish um, 
what what you're striving to achieve and 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 where your body is at and how we going to set a plan for that so again just um best thing is probably through the website for that mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and um I know I'll be checking out your website and being in contact for some Pilates. And I know you have a beautiful Instagram page. Um, it's at Body Prop Pilates, right? Exactly. It's, it's uh, Body underscore Props underscore Pilates. So same name as the studio. Yeah, I definitely follow Danielle there. I, I enjoy reading your posts all the time. Um, thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate you being here. I appreciate the depth of the conversation. I, I really love um, your depth of knowledge and how conversations just really dig far below the surface. So thank you so much for sharing with us today. Uh, well, thank you, Nicole. It was, as always, a pleasure to, uh, to chat with you. And you're so graceful and you're so charming and you're, I, you just exude life. Um, it's, I, I love talking with you and thank you for giving me this opportunity to touch on some very um, yeah, difficult, challenging topics and topics that uh, are all good. About. So, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much for the kind words. That means so much to me. And I'm sure we will be talking again. <laughs> this, can't be the, this can't be the last conversation we have uh, for everyone in the audience. I'm sure they'll want more. So we'll have to do this again. Sure. Absolutely. Great. And thanks all of you for listening to Badass Moms podcast brought to you by the Holistic Therapies Directory. If you want to get in touch with me, you can go to superbusymommycoach.com. I'm also at superbusymommycoach on Facebook and Instagram and always have new programs coming out. Um, so take a look at what will be coming up next. Um, and if you are a holistic practitioner or if you're looking for a holistic practitioner, make sure you check out holistictherapiesdirectory.com. Uh, if you're a practitioner, set up your profile and get the word out about the ways you can really help the people around you. And if you're looking for someone, this is the best variety you'll be able to find. So definitely check those out. And I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of the Badass Moms podcast. You've been listening to Badass Moms. Join us again and get your badass on.